sorry. Not, mm. not, not sorry. Not sorry. Sorry? Mm, not sorry. How about sorry if I really mean it? Okay. If you really mean it. Say it. Say it. Believe it. But only if you mean it. But only if you mean it. Yep. You were tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. He is JC. I am Dio. And we are glad that you're going to spend the next umpteen minutes with us so that we can discuss something that is top of mind in our business really day in, day out. But it's been prevalent with a lot of the things that we are having the opportunity to assist in last week Mm -hmm. here in the office. Okay. And that is understanding how to properly communicate with our clients. Okay. Now, what we're going to go over can probably be tried in parenting. It can probably be tried um, in our communication with uh, our friends, our family, our spouses. But we're going to go more pointed into the business profession, especially a business profession that um, deals with customer service, setting proper expectations, making sure that the client is having the experience that the client deserves Mm -hmm. Or more importantly, once. Yep. Because every client wants a good experience. It doesn't really matter what they deserve. And it's not up to us to actually determine what they deserve. Yeah. It's up to us to make sure that we are doing what we can to meet their expectations. And do you know, if you don't know what their expectations are, do you know how you find out? Uh, I'm going to ask them. Yeah, ask them. Yeah, too many times in life, that's the easiest answer. It's just ask the question. Uh, and for whatever reason, we're so afraid to do so as if, well, if I don't ask them, then I guess I won't ever have a response that I don't like. Exactly. But if you don't ask them, they still are anticipating or expecting you to meet that answer you didn't like. That is very true. So in terms of, instead of guessing, just go for it. Mm -hmm. So we kind of kicked off the show with sorry, not sorry, sorry, not sorry, because too many times in life, we apologize when we don't mean it. Like, look, apologize and say you're sorry when you mean it, when it's heartfelt. But if you don't, or I should say, if you do apologize when you don't mean it, it can come across very confrontational. It could come across as um, maybe dismissive. And that's the last thing you want to do when you're dealing with customer service or customer service issues. So a good example of this would be... um, Oh, let's walk through, John. You'll be the uh, upset client. Oh, I can do good at that. Okay, and and I'm going to be the business professional who it was my job to make sure I set proper expectations and that my team and I are now meeting or exceeding those expectations. But something happened in our correspondence. Something happened and you never received an email that I sent you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that email was very important. And I know I sent it because I went in my sent folder and I see, yep, it, it was delivered. Yep. And I even left you a voicemail or maybe I shot you a text message that said, hey, John, heads up. I just sent you an important email. Make sure you read it. Yep. All right. So ring, ring, ring. You call me and you say, hey, Dustin, how's it going? Um, just fine, John. How can I help you today, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for that email. Uh, I, I don't see it anywhere. You were supposed to send it to me the other day. I just wanted to follow up, see what's going on. Well, I'm sorry. I sent it to you. Uh, yeah. Like, like that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid the, I'm sorry. And normally you wouldn't be that happy. Yeah, normally would. you would be that, you know, it'd be a little bit more disgruntled yeah. and it'd be like, um, why am I just now hearing about this? No, I got it. Hey, where are we at with that email? Yeah. It wouldn't be the email. It would be more along the lines of, uh, why are you asking me to send you, send me that document now? Yeah. Why didn't you ask me of it last week? Yeah. At which point 
I would have said to you, well, John, I sent you an email last week. I didn't get the email. Okay, now things are getting heated. Now things are getting confrontational. Yeah. So many people's go-to is, well, I'm sorry you didn't get my email. Okay, that's dismissive. That is not making the situation better. In fact, you're being antagonistic. You're probably making this, 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 this situation worse. Hmm. What you want to do in this situation, instead of apologizing, because by the way, am I sorry that you didn't get an email that I sent you that I have proof of? I don't think so. No. So how about I relate to you? How about I mirror you? John, I know how frustrating it is when, for whatever reason, an email doesn't get to me. Let me resend it to you and make sure that you get that email with me on the phone. And because we lost a couple days, let me let you read it and then ask me any questions you may have. Because it doesn't change the fact that we need that document. And yes, we did need it three days ago. Um, and it's extremely frustrating that for whatever reason, technology didn't work in our favor. So I did not apologize. I'm not sorry that you didn't get your email. I'm not sorry you have some crazy spam filter. I'm not sorry that you're disorganized and you um, have so many emails that you delete the wrong ones, you keep the wrong ones, or you have so many that you can't decipher heads versus tails. But what I can do is relate to you and instead of saying, well, I'm sorry I sent it, no. Let me say something along the lines of, I totally understand how you're frustrated. It frustrates me too when this happens to me, mm -hmm. right? I'm finding a commonality. I'm not discounting your frustration. I'm not trying to make you feel like less of a, of a person. I'm also not apologizing for something I'm not sorry for. Mm -hmm. So like that to me is like a pretty easy, quick one. Yeah. Um, now in the mortgage arena, but this would also uh, fall in line with anyone who sells insurance or uh, anyone who helps someone obtain uh, some kind of a loan, whether you're a banker and you're doing a credit card or you're doing a personal line of credit or you're doing an auto loan, anywhere where there's risk assessment or qualification that goes into it. Okay. Let's say you picked up the phone and you called me because I'm a mortgage loan originator. So I want to help you get qualified to purchase a home pre-approved for a home loan. Okay. And I know that the underwriting criteria, one of the eligibility uh, requirements is for you to have a 620 credit score or better. Mm -hmm. I didn't make the rule. My employer didn't make the rule. The rule comes from the quasi government agency who oversees over um, so oversees they they regulate mortgage lending. Yep. Okay. So you call me, ring ring. We're all talking, and you're upset because your credit score is a 590 and not a 620. So many professionals, their go to is, "I'm sorry, Mr. Coleman." Are you sorry? I would hope not. No, I didn't not pay the, your bills on time. I didn't, um, you know, force you to go out and over leverage yourself. Or I'm not the doctor's office who didn't send you a bill and now you have a ninety dollar collection on your credit report. Like that's not on me. And for me to apologize for something that I'm not sorry for, what it does do is it waters down when I do need to apologize. Because yeah. look, as humans, you're going to screw up. As business professionals, we're going to screw up. We're going to make mistakes. We need to save our apologies for when they matter. So when they come out of our mouth, they come out with sincerity, not with some form of an antagonistic overtone. Mm -hmm. So in this particular example, if you are my client or my, my prospective client, we call them prospects, and you're calling in to obtain a home loan or pre-approval for a home loan, and your credit score is a 590, I don't need to apologize to you that your credit score is below the minimum eligibility requirements. Okay. 
what I can do to you is speak to you as, as a man to man with dignity. And I'm not going to say, John, I'm so sorry, but you don't qualify because your credit score is 590. We need a 620. Yeah. But I'm going to speak to you factually. And it's going to be, hey, John, I looked at your credit report. At this current time, you do not meet eligibility requirements. Both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac require you to have, at a minimum, a 620 credit score. That's the minimum for eligibility. Now, John, I want you to know, just because you're eligible for something in life doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to qualify. But 620 basically gets you into the ballpark so you can play the game. Right now, you're a 590. So there's going to be various things that you're going to need to do to get your credit score up to a 590. And then you and I may spend two, three, maybe even five minutes discussing what those things are. Pay down some credit cards, pay off a collection, um, go out and obtain new credit, stop making late, late payments and make your payments on time. There's other times where I may even refer you to an expert. Like, look, I'm a subject matter expert in mortgage financing. I'm not a subject matter expert in credit. I know enough to be good at my job, but not enough to be considered a subject matter expert. I need to refer you over to a subject matter expert. That's where I'll probably refer someone like Harry Snedden over at Scorecrafters. And voila, I have assisted you. I've spoken to you man to man with dignity, with respect. I didn't sugarcoat anything. And I sure as heck didn't apologize for something that's not my fault. It's not my fault that your credit score is a 590. And it's not my fault that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac conventional financing requires a 620. Yeah. Therefore, there's no need for me to ever apologize. When did you learn? Like, how 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 far were you in your career when you really started adopting this and like practicing it? Was it from the jump? You've never really said I'm sorry. You know what's interesting um, is I was thinking a lot about this last week because last week I was looped in as my role as as a a leader in the organization and someone in, in management. I tend to get looped in only when there is a problem, right? When things go well, then yeah. management really doesn't hear about it because they're going as expected. When expectations aren't mean, being met, then management needs to step in and see what we can do to make sure that we can change the course that this one particular client or multiple particular clients are going through. Yep. So I can't remember if it was one particular book I read, one particular um, uh, therapy session I was a part <laughs> of or a conference I went to. No, I, I honestly think this is 15 years mm -hmm. of, of piecing together various that I can't put my finger on. I would love for someone to say, uh, hey, Dio, it was actually this class or this <laughs> yeah. book that you read it in. Yeah. No, this is um, life experience coupled with conferences and, and books read, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But it's, um, it's, it's truly how to properly speak to people. Yeah. Um, I would guess maybe I read something in uh, Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference because that whole entire book talks about using semantics to... Uh, have your thoughts counted at the highest mm. strategic level, yeah. right? How to get what you want using words, mm. how to elicit the proper responses. Mm. So no, I can't, yeah, I can't pinpoint. I, I, I can't pinpoint. I wish I could. Well, no, it's neat because ever since kind of you, I'm aware of it now. Like, I'm sorry. It does come off like condescending. It almost comes off as soon as you say it, it's like, yeah, I'm not listening. It's not my problem, but just, Wait, just yes. that word, like, sorry. Oh, how many times have we used it with our spouses? God. Oh, I'm sorry. I made you angry. You almost yeah you, you almost know, use it when you're not sorry. Yeah, hundred percent you use it. Oh, I'm sorry that made you mad. Oh yeah. Oh well, oh. is it my? So are you sorry or are you not sorry? Because that's antagonistic. I'm sorry that made you mad. Yeah. 
Not I'm sorry I did X, Y, or Z. Yep, yep. It's I'm sorry that made you mad. Exactly. And it it is the the worst way to win friends and influence others. It's the worst way to get someone to get back on track and moving in the right direction. Mm. And you know, many of us, whether I mean, think of like I'm thinking of my friends who run their own dental practices, their own law firms. They sell life insurance. Uh, people who sell cars for a living. Like it's across the board. Anytime we're dealing with humans, interacting with humans as a way to provide a service so that we can run a profitable business, we are going to have these types of issues come up. And if you can find a way to stay away from sorry or I apologize and save those for when you're sincere, mm. what you'll find is A, it's a little bit harder to do, right? You're you're undoing years and years and years of bad habits but you'll start eliciting the responses that you want. Ultimately, you want that client to not be unhappy, to at least be back to neutral. Mm. And at neutral is when you can win them back over. Mm -hmm. At neutral is when you can pull them back in to your embrace and start moving towards a common goal. The common goal is they use your product or service, you make money, they are happy, they tell friends. Exactly. And um, you and I have talked about this offline, and I don't think either one of us can like pinpoint mm. where we learned it. But with your degree in marketing and my degree in advertising and public relations, we were taught uh, at the university level yeah. that there's statistics out there that say you know one happy client is worth X amount of rave reviews. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to take a client who was once unhappy yep. and then make them happy, yeah. that that client will will rave about oh, you at five to 10 times the level yep. as someone who stepped in, never had an issue, got exactly what they expected and moved on with their day on with their life. Said it perfectly. Yeah. The the best way for any one of us in these types of industry to to really separate ourselves from from good to great, to separate ourselves from the top 10% to the top 1%, it's not how you handle things when they go well. Mm. It's how do you handle your business when things aren't going well? What are you able to do? Well, sorry, not sorry. This episode is geared towards, let's start by stop apologizing. Save those apologies for when you really do screw up. And look, you will really screw up. And a lot of times when you really screw up, you can own it, don't hide from it, throw a little bit of money at it, and move on. As long as you learn from it, that's all you need to do. Mm. But you are going to have associates on your team who screw up. They should know that errors are okay as long as they don't cost relationships, as long as they own them. And if it's a little bit of money that can be thrown at the situation and it can be fixed, as long as whoever made the mistake learns from it, then you move on. Yeah. All right, so here are some other things um, that tend to come up pretty um, – Pretty commonplace okay. in in uh, professions like real estate or mortgage or any of the other service oriented that we discussed. Mm -hmm. um, hours of operation. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a huge one. Like most of us, don't work because we love it. Mm -hmm. We don't get up and say, "Oh my God, I have nothing to do and a plethora of money." <laughs> Let me go work for eight to 10 hours today. <laughs> yep. Now, if we're very fortunate, which I would say you and I fit this boat, mm -hmm. we get to love what we do for work, oh, definitely. but it doesn't hide the fact that it's work and Correct. work is a four letter word. Yeah. Um, so we need to have some kind of a work-life balance, mm -hmm. right? Put in your 40, and I always say, put in your 40 to 45, yeah. right? There's nothing wrong to 40 to 45, but after that, 
you know, your wife and your parents or my wife and my kids and our families and our friends and ourselves, mm -hmm. we also deserve time. Mm -hmm. So what that is going to mean is we're going to have clients who, for whatever reason, don't like our hours of operation or they want us to do business with them at a time frame that doesn't really work for us. Mm. And how do we communicate this properly to them without saying I'm sorry Damn. and without apologizing? Because why should I have to apologize that I'm choosing to take three days off of work to spend time with my wife and my two children, understanding that my kids are age 12 and 15, I have three more years with Jackson, I have six more years with Kendall, then they're gone. Yeah. I mean, my, my babies are already no longer babies. <laughs> yeah. So the 365 days a year that we get, those are precious years. So I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to be off work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah. So why should I say I'm sorry? Mm. Um, and if that's going to bother someone, then I need to understand as a business operator, and this is coming out of uh, Zig Ziglar, there's enough people willing to do business the way that I do business that I don't need to do business with those that aren't. Damn. Okay, like if you think about that, there's enough people willing to do business the way that I do business. I don't have to do business with those that don't. But I think people are so caught up with like, I got to get as much business as possible. So I'll, you know, cast the wide net and then kind of filter it from there. To a certain degree, mm -hmm. to a certain degree, but you have to be true to thyself. Mm. You have to, and you have to be able to put things in perspective of what, what that means. If one person doesn't use you because you won't pick up the phone Sunday before noon, or Sunday at all, or any day after 7 p.m., mm -hmm. that's how you do business. You need to go focus on finding clients that like to do business the way that you do business or will respect the way that you do it. Yeah. And you sure as hell never apologize for it, right? So someone calls in and they're like, well, I can just never get a hold of you. Well, I'm sorry. I, is yeah, this, you went right jerk. to this it. So you jerk. went right to it, right? And it's hard. It is hard not to go with, I'm sorry, or I apologize. It's like saying, um, like in a speech, like, like, or, um, or, uh, it's oh, like, crutch words. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those are called crutch words yeah. and we all have them. Yeah. I'm going to run this by you. Okay. So if we role played right now mm -hmm. and it was me saying to you, well, John, I can never get a hold of you. Your first instinct yeah. right then would say, well, I'm sorry, Dustin, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What I would recommend you is say to me, well, tell me more about that, Dustin. What do you mean? I would look, I'm not being confrontational at all. I'm actually opening myself up to listen to you. Tell me more about that, John. Tell me more about your inability to get a hold of me. And then you would go on. What, what well, yeah, I called you three times yesterday and I dinner. No one picked up and I, you didn't, I left a message. No one called me back. John, I know how frustrating that is. What times were you calling us? Uh, I called you early, man, like 9 a.m. Okay. By the way, if you called me at 9 a.m. and you did not get a... So my, my next question would be, well, John, did you leave any voicemails for us? Uh, no. I mean, I, I might have left one. I, I can't remember. Okay. Well, here's why I can walk you through, John, is that we check our voicemails every hour on the hour starting at 8.30 a.m. all the way until 5.30 p.m., and most days, we actually have our office number forwarded to our cell phone. And I went through my call log, and I did not see any voicemails left. Uh, what I can tell you going forward, because I don't want you to have this experience going forward, if you just leave a voicemail, my personal goal is to return all voicemails within one hour. Now, sometimes I don't, I don't meet my personal goal, and it ends up being two hours. But if you leave me a voicemail, either myself or a member of my team will get back to you most times within an hour, um, if not within one, definitely within two. 
Mm. So I would guess that we probably missed each other because a voicemail wasn't left. All right. That sounds about right. Yeah, like, so I don't, I'm not going to apologize because I know darn well if you called me at 9, yeah. you didn't leave a voicemail. Yeah. Right now, if you told me, well, I called you at 7 o'clock and left you a voicemail at night. Yeah. And you're angry that it's just being returned at 9 a.m. the next day. Again, all I can tell you, I would never apologize and be like, well, John, I'm sorry, but I have a wife and kids and I need to get yeah. home to them. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I don't want to say I apologize. Yeah. But if, if you said, well, I called you at 7 o'clock. I called you at 7 o'clock. Uh, no one answered. Yeah, so, John, our normal office hours are 8.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. If you ever need to get a hold of us after hours, all that we ask is for you to schedule an appointment with us. You probably didn't know that up front, which is why I want to cover it with you now going forward. But the best time to get a hold of us is between 8.30 and 5.30, Monday through Friday. If for whatever reason we are not available, please leave us a voicemail because our goal is to return all voicemails within an hour, worst case two. And all I'm doing, I'm reiterating what our expectations are. Mm -hmm. I don't want to apologize to you because I'm not sorry that no one was there to pick up your phone at 7 p.m. Yeah. I'm not sorry that when you called, you didn't leave a message. That's not on me. That's that's on you. I don't want to be antagonistic, so I don't. Therefore, I won't say sorry. I won't apologize. All I will do is I will sometimes mirror you. I will I will acknowledge 100% acknowledge that you're unhappy. Well, John, I see that you're unhappy. And I want to make sure this is your last time being unhappy. Mm. Again, not saying I'm sorry. Damn, that's so it's so good, but it's so hard. Now I'm just gonna go walking through life and just waiting for people to apologize to me. Like, ah, ah yeah. you son of a bitch, you don't mean <laughs> that. You don't mean that. So no, it's interesting because now that I'm cognizant of it, I just see how many people all all walks of life they just quick to apologize. Well, I think that's actually the challenge for all of us, including you and I, but even the listeners. It's for the next umpteen days. Yeah, like. Think about and be cognizant of all the times in your life that either you're saying sorry to other people or that other people are saying sorry to you. And think about how you could have rephrased that. Yeah. How can you be not antagonistic? How can you mirror that by to mirror something is to reflect it, right? Reflect that person's thoughts and their emotions. Don't hide from the fact that they're disappointed. Tell them, I see that I'm not meeting your expectations. I want to change that because my goal is, John, my goal is to exceed your expectations. Yeah. Let's talk about how we can exceed your expectations moving forward. Mm. I don't need to apologize for it. Damn. All right, so here's here's probably number four that you know we're we're trying to cover the 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 most common four customer service issues that we find ourselves apologizing for. One would mean for whatever reason that client that is calling in doesn't meet your parameters of business. Mm -hmm. We don't need to apologize that someone doesn't meet your parameters. Like in our case, we talked about the, the low FICO score. Mm -hmm. If you're selling health insurance, it could be that the person has a, a previous um, existing condition. It could be their age. It could be that they're a smoker. Um, you know, if it's uh, a contractor, it could mean that um, I don't have time to do that job or I don't do jobs that small or I can't do the job in that time frame. Yeah. I'm not apologizing that I'm, I'm a contractor who is highly sought after, that I book three months in advance. Mm. So I don't need to say, I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, but I can't do X, Y, or Z. Damn, that's so good. Yeah, all I can tell someone is that I wish you and I had the opportunity to speak sooner because your job sounds like one I would have loved to do. At this time, I'm currently booked through the end of September. Mm. 
If something changes between now and then, I would love to give you a call and see if I could squeeze you in. If you can wait till September, I can go ahead and start getting you scheduled now. Or let me refer you to someone that I think can do just as good of a job and maybe they have some availability. Damn. Right. As a contractor, I can still help someone without apologizing or saying I'm sorry because we're trying to avoid confrontation. Yeah. We're trying to meet or exceed people's expectations. More importantly, we want people to like us. If they like us, they will refer to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we talked about the people who didn't qualify. Um, the correspondence, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talked about, well, I didn't get your email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I know you did, <laughs> but I don't need to say... Um, well, I'm sorry you didn't get my email. Yeah. No, let's let's let, so we mirrored on that one. Uh, we talked about hours of of um, operation, and um, actually we did kind of touch on exceeding expectations. Yeah. Right. We we talked on not hiding from the fact of doing business with people that want to do business with us. But let's let's dive a little bit deeper into exceeding expectations. Yeah. Because I I, I think that's where a lot of us go wrong. Okay. A lot of us go wrong because, A, we don't set proper expectations up front, either because we don't know them ourselves as the business professional or we don't ask our client. In order to avoid customer service issues, you need to, A, have that conversation up front of what the client should expect from you, but also ask the client before you go into business, are there any particular expectations that you need to make sure that we are meeting? Mm. Or more importantly, let me ask that a little differently. What expectations can I make your top priority to ensure that my team and I are always meeting or exceeding your expectations. If I can get that up front, more than likely, I can avoid ever having an issue with you as my client, especially if I can write it down and I can put it either into my CRM or onto, if I'm using a Manila folder, I can write those down. Now, when you do have an issue, I can A, reference those three. Yeah. I can see if your issue meets one, two, or three. If, if it does, very simple. You know what, John? You and I talked about these expectations up front, and I agree. We are not doing what you said was number two. Yeah. I'm going to fix that today. Well, should you say that? But like, what was number one? Yeah. Well, yeah, like, sure. Yeah. I'm going to fix yeah. that today. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you, if I do X, will this get us back on track? Yeah. Okay. You're easy. What if you said no? No, it won't. I want more. Okay. You probably wouldn't even say I want more. It would just say no. No. Okay. I still want to do X. What else could I do to make sure you and I get back on track? You make it sound so easy. You're good at that, man. Because uh, I mean, it's it's a lot of it's treating people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. We golden rule, yeah. platinum rule. Treat them the way that they want to be treated. Yeah. But we have to ask them how they want to be treated. Yeah. If I ask for proper expectations up front, and I wrote them down. And now you're calling me because you're telling me I'm not meeting them. The first thing I want to do is I want to see if I'm at least meeting the first, the top three. Yeah. I want to reference them. I want to remind you that we had that conversation. Yeah. Because what if what if you're like, oh yeah, you're dominating one, yeah. two, and three. I would honestly to be, I would completely forget it. We ever had that conversation, and just the fact that you brought it up, saying that you wrote it down, would be proof enough to me. Be like, oh, well. Yeah, so guess what? Your issue is now a non-issue. Correct. Once I reminded you that you and I had a conversation up front that we both agreed that one, two, and three were your top three expectations and my team are meeting or exceeding them. Uh, Now you're going to start doubting yourself and thinking, oh, okay, maybe I'm being too picky. But I want to let you know that I care about you being too picky. So I would then say, John, I'm so happy 
that my team and I are, are hitting those top three. But it still sounds like there's a couple other underlying issues that we need to address. Let's address them because my goal is for you to be a raving fan. And right now, it sounds like you're not one. And I want to make sure that I achieve my goal. What can I do to help you? Yeah. What more can we do? Wow. And, and you move on with it. Well, it sounds almost when you, it sounds like you take control of the conversation by not apologizing. When you apologize for something, say, I'm sorry, and you don't mean it, it's almost like you give it up. Well, I'm sorry. And then you're kind of inviting somebody to be like, well, I told you, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But when you don't apologize, you control the narrative, it seems. 100%. That is the goal. The goal is always to control the narrative. The, the, the goal is to understand the rules and always play by them. Okay. The minute you start scrambling, the rules start being reinterpreted or rewritten. Mm. And it makes it next to impossible to play a game and win a game where the rules are constantly changing. Unless you're the one who's writing the rules and you're the one changing the rules. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a certain part of negotiations where you want to be the person who who has the upper hand. You, you want to be the person who, who is in control, but you can do so in a very passive way, in a very caring way. And that's kind of what that whole sorry, not sorry stems from. It's stemming from not apologizing, but by, by not apologizing, I'm not saying not to take ownership. You're still taking ownership of the situation. And look, there's going to be such times where you have to apologize. Like, one of our team members did something that he was not supposed to do. I hopped on the phone and I said, ma'am or sir, you are 100% right to be upset because so-and-so did something that he knew was better. He thought he was helping. He rushed through his work and it ended up not being what we needed done. And I see why it made you upset and where it may have delayed you. What I want to talk to you about now is how we can make things better and get back on track. Mm. And if I needed to apologize, 100%, sir or ma'am, I am sorry that happened because we have trainings in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm. It was a human error, and we want to make it right. Yeah. Right. That was an instance where, hey, I was sorry. Like, I felt bad. I felt bad that that happened because it shouldn't have. Mm. But let's move on. Let's let's address it, move on from it. Mm -hmm. Um try not to apologize because most times it's not your fault. If it's not your fault, no need to apologize. If it's not your fault, no need to say, I'm sorry. But definitely find ways to address the concern, not to hide from the concern, not to make someone feel bad about the concern. Ask them how you can meet or exceed their expectations, what we can do going forward, what we can do to get things back on track and move on. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. That is all I have for this particular topic. It's it's pretty deep. It can go as deep as you need it to. And for many of us, uh, that's going to be my challenge. My challenge is going to be right now you're hearing it and it's very surface level. Hopefully when you're driving home from work or driving into the office tomorrow and you're thinking about the show and this episode, take it deeper. See what else they can apply to. Yeah. Because it's it's pretty fantastic once you can start mastering not apologizing and mastering setting proper expectations and moving forward. Love it. That is all we have for this episode. I'm Dustin Owen. He's John Coleman. You have just tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. Peace. Deuces.